Welcome to the worship podcast for November 15th, 2020 from St. Mary Anglican Church in Charleswood. Today is the 24th Sunday after Pentecost. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. We thank you, O God, that you have again brought us together on the Lord's Day to praise you for your goodness and to ask your blessing. Give us grace to see your hand in the week that is past and your purpose in the week to come. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, as we turn our hearts and minds to worship Almighty God, let us confess our sins. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Merciful God, grant to your faithful people pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be always with you. Almighty God, You sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the light of the world. Free us from all that darkens and ensnares us, and bring us to eternal light and joy. Through the power of him who is alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is from the book of Judges, chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth Hagoyim. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help, for he had nine hundred chariots of iron and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly for twenty years. At that time Deborah, a prophetess, wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, son of Abinoam, to Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go take possession at Mount Tabor. Bring ten thousand from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun. I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the Wadi Kishon, with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. This is the word of the Lord. The psalm this morning is Psalm 123. To you I lift up my eyes, to you enthroned in the heavens. As the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, and the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he shows us his mercy. Have mercy upon us, so Lord, have mercy, for we have had more than enough of contempt, too much of the scorn of the indolent rich and of the derision of the proud. 
King of love, rule in the hearts of all people on earth through your Son, Jesus Christ, that we may become one family and one kingdom, serving you by serving each other. We ask this in his name. Amen. Second reading is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep at night and those who are drunk get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, as indeed you are doing. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said, for it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them, and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave! You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I did not scatter? then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. 
So take the talent from him, and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I have an idea. While you're sitting in your favorite chair with your cup of coffee, with your headphones on, listening to me ramble, let's do a little thought experiment. In the parable of the talents, the master gives to the first slave five talents, the second slave two, and to the third one he gives one talent. Now, during the time of Christ, a talent was worth more than 15 years of wages for a daily laborer. So this was a tremendous amount of money. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine that we are the modern equivalent of the master slaves, and you're going to think about what you're going to do with those talents. So if your first name begins with one of the letters from A to H, I want you to imagine that the master has given you $50,000. If your first name begins with one of the letters from I to Q, I want you to imagine that the master's given you 20,000. And if your first name begins with one of the letters from R to Z, I want you to imagine that he's given you $10,000. Now, as soon as you figure out what letter your name begins with, I want you to think about what you would do with the money for the benefit of the kingdom. Begin. master would like to know what you're planning to do with his talents. You can email me your thoughts. Anyway, let's, let's see how things work out in the parable. The master has decided to go on a great journey and entrusts an incredible amount of money to three of his slaves. He provides them with five talents, two talents, and one talent to each one according to his ability. And after he leaves, the five-talent slave goes off and works hard with those talents, and he makes five more. In the same way, the two-talent slave goes off, and he works hard to earn two more talents. But the one-talent slave, well, he goes off and digs a hole in the ground and hides his master's money. The master returns, and he is greatly thrilled with the first two slaves, he rewards their trustworthy and hardworking nature by placing them in charge of many things. And then he invites them into the joy of their master. But with the one-talent slave, the master is very disappointed. The third slave, well, this guy was afraid of his master. And he saw that he was harsh, so he hid the talent in the ground. To which the master replies, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you? You knew that I reap where I didn't sow and I gathered where I didn't scatter? Well, you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And when I got back, I would have received what was my own with interest. 
The master takes away the one talent, and he orders the slave to be thrown into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Out of all the parables that Jesus shared with his disciples, this one has probably been more abused and misused than any other. Because once you pull any parable away from the proclamation of the kingdom, misreading it is inevitable. Jesus shared a story about a shepherd who goes after the one sheep that is missing. God rejoices in the seeking out of those who are lost, even if they appear insignificant. Jesus tells another story about a young man who squanders his inheritance and comes back to his father begging to be welcomed as a slave, and the father throws a, a great big party for him. Here's the prodigal returned. Let's have a party. God, though harsh, is a loving, reconciling, and forgiving presence. But this parable has been twisted around to fit the arguments of many preachers and theologians throughout the centuries. For instance, this passage has been cited by some as a defense for why God wants us to become wealthy. God blesses us with money so that we can make more money. Additionally, this scripture has been used to claim that the poor are poor because of their own faults and problems. God gave them all the opportunities in the world to become rich, but they failed to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and make something of themselves. Look, Jesus isn't using this parable to recommend to his followers that we should work hard, make all the money we can, and, and then give all we can. Instead, this story is a judgment against anyone who thinks they deserve what they earned and a judgment against those who don't know how precious is the gift that they've been given. Because here's the thing. The slaves did nothing, nothing to earn their five, two, and one talents. They were given as gifts. So what becomes crucial is how they regarded the gifts and what they did with them. One of the strangest proposals, and I don't remember why I heard, heard this, but this was a very strange proposal, and it had to do with money and the church. The proposal was this. When we receive new members into our midst, when, when someone comes through the door and, and wants to join us, then we should get them to stand in front of the entire congregation and announce how much money they earn in a calendar year. Wait a minute. The, the reasoning behind this is twofold. It would allow the church to have greater transparency regarding the wealthy during times of need. If, if everyone knows who the bigger earners are, they can seek them out when someone in the community is in dire straits or if the church needs immediate help with something. It would also allow the church to recognize the, the great big gaps of wealth between the local congregation regarding the rich and the poor like when a family joins that make very little during one year, it would allow us to know who it is that we can truly help by consolidating our resources. We do such a good job at trying to cover up our socioeconomic status that we're blind to those who are in need in the pews right next to us. So what do you think? Should we adopt this plan here at St. Mary? <laughs>
Well, yeah, I'm not so sure. I understand this idea on principle, but I believe that it would result in us abusing one another and it would prevent us from viewing everyone as part of the body of Christ. If you discovered that one of the, the humble women in the church was a millionaire, wouldn't you treat her differently? If you discovered that one of the men who appears very wealthy has no money at all, wouldn't you treat him differently? Yet, you know, at the same time, I kind of like the idea because it would push us to be more vulnerable with one another about what we have to offer and what we need. So I'm going to offer a slightly different proposal. What if when someone new joins us, we required them to share their talents with us? Because really, this parable of the talents uses money, but in the big picture, it has nothing to do with money at all. God, as the master, has given each of us unique abilities and talents that we've been tasked to use in the world for the kingdom. To some, he's given more talents than to others. And Paul puts it this way, you know, a hand is not the foot and the arm is not the leg talking about the body of Christ. But you know what? Everyone has been blessed with some talent that is beautiful, wonderful, and incredibly important. The disciples of Jesus are called to do the work that Jesus has given us to do. Work that is simple and yet hard. Work like learning to tell the truth and learning to love our enemies. This work is the joy that our master invites us to share with him. The slaves that earned more with their talents did so because they worked with what they had. Jesus doesn't make any effort to describe how the slaves doubled their talents, only that they worked hard with the talents the master had given them. But the slave with one talent, he rationalizes his failure to do anything with it by blaming the master. Now, how, how often are we guilty of the same thing? Blaming God for the failures that are our fault. You know, since the beginning of the church, this has been a routine for Christians. Excusing themselves by protesting that their gifts are too modest to be significant. How can little old me possibly do anything for God's kingdom? Well, let me assure you, of the contrary. Each of you have been given gifts, wonderful and unique talents that are begging to be used in the church for the world and in the world for the church. Now, you might not recognize them that way. You might feel insecure about whatever they are, but God has given you gifts so that they can be used. Now, if you hide them inwardly, if you dig a hole in the ground, if you fail to make good on the investment that God has made to you, well, think of what's being lost. Jesus insists that the talents that God has provided us are to be used. They're to be implemented, used to their full ability. Christian discipleship is not something that we can just hope our leaders and other members of the church will do for us. No, it requires us to do the hard work. It demands that we take a good look at our lives and those talents that we have and ask how we can put them to use for God's kingdom.
What, what talents do you see? What talents do you see in your life? Are you a teacher who has the gift of sharing the good news? Are you, are someone, are you someone who's gifted with their hands? Someone who can build things? Are you someone who has a, a real gift for praying? The gift to, to pray for the church, for the community, for the world around us? Are you someone who's really good with money? and who has the gift of helping others learn how to manage and invest it? Are you someone who has the gift of healing, gift of presence? You know, this is a church that is full of Christians who have gifts that God has given. And church, the body, should be like a, a great big talent show where we share with others what God has given us so that we can then employ those gifts for the kingdom. So what are you doing with your talents? Amen. Let us confess our faith as we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. In peace, we pray to you, Lord God. For all people in their daily life and work, for our families, friends, and neighbors, and for all those who are alone. We pray for this community, our country, and the world, for all who work for justice, freedom, and peace, for the just and proper use of your creation, for the victims of hunger, fear, injustice, and oppression. We pray, O God, for all who are in danger, sorrow, or any kind of trouble. For those who minister to the sick, the friendless, and the needy. We pray for the peace and unity of the Church of God, for all who proclaim the gospel and all who seek the truth. We pray for Jeff, our bishop, and for all bishops and other ministers, and for all who serve God in the Church. We pray for our own needs and those of others. Hear us, Lord, for your mercy is great. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life. We will exalt you, O God, our King, and praise your name forever and ever. We pray for those who have died in the peace of Christ, remembering today Helen Vannon. And we pray for those whose faith is known to you alone, that they may have a place in your eternal kingdom. Lord, let your loving kindness be upon them who put their trust in you. Gracious God, you have heard the prayers of your faithful people 
You know our needs before we ask, and our ignorance in asking. Grant our requests as may be best for us. This we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplications to you, and you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together, you will hear their requests. Fulfill now our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come eternal life. For you, Father, are good and loving, and we glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, in the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Gathering our prayers and praises into one, let us pray as our Savior taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the Church and in Christ Jesus, forever and ever. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you now and always. Amen. Amen.